Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Uh, Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of conversations with spiritually awakening people. We've done hundreds of them now. If this is new to you and you'd like to check out previous ones, please go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, and look under the past interviews menu. This program is made possible through the support of appreciative listeners and viewers. So if you appreciate it and would like to help support it, there's a PayPal button on every page of the site. And there's also a page uh, that explains alternatives to PayPal. And if you feel like it, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. YouTube sort of gives you more preferential treatment if you have more subscribers. And then you'll be notified when uh, these things go online. There's also a way to get notified through the website by email. My guest today is Elizabeth Ann Hill. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Rick. Elizabeth nice is to be over. Here. Oh, yeah, it's good to have you. Elizabeth is over in the UK at the moment, but as you will hear, she's been rather itinerant through the last many years of her life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she says that her spiritual journey began in October 2002 with the death of her identical twin sister, Catherine Mary Hill, who was in an on duty vehicle accident as a U.S. Border Patrol agent along the U.S. Mexico border. Before Kathy died, she had learned about a grand spiritual awakening taking place across the planet, which she tried to share with Elizabeth with no success. After Kathy's yeah. death, Elizabeth began to have contact with Kathy in dreams and through many psychic mm-hmm. mediums. She discovered that she and Catherine had come in as social change agents and that they had made a pact to work together to deliver this important information to the world. Catherine assisted Elizabeth in writing her first book, Twin Souls, A Message of Hope for the New Millennium. Through this process, Elizabeth developed strong intuitive gifts and connection with non-physical realms. In 2008, during a session with a group of spirit guides via trance channel Glenna Dietrich, Elizabeth was told about a new project they would create together called An Interview with the Universe which would include Q&A, an experiential traveling journey, and another book. Elizabeth's journey would entail letting go of all traditional safety nets, including job, income, and home, to travel the world with nothing but her intuitive connection with her sister and her infinite self. The guides explained that the purpose of the journey was to transmute the limiting belief systems and fears surrounding money for herself and for all of humanity. After she undertook this journey, she would be ready for the changes that would occur in the world, and at the right moment, she would be called upon to teach and share the wisdom she had gained. Now, in 2020, with all that is occurring on the world stage, now is that moment. I also have been, as many people have, been anticipating something like this um, for many decades, and you know, it kind of seems like it's really picking up steam now. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And not by any mistake either. No, yeah. I think we we both discussed uh, earlier and agreed that nothing happens by mistake. No. Which could seem like a harsh statement. Horrible things happen to people individually and collectively, and it confuses people. They think, well, is this a mistake? Or if it is a mistake, how could God allow mistakes like this to happen? And do mistakes happen? And they get into these philosophical quandaries, you know, when life really throws a monkey wrench in the works for them. Yeah, well, I mean, there's just, 
they need to learn about a little more deeply into who and what they are and a little more deeply into the idea of soul contracts and that when we talked about this and we can probably talk about it more about how we come into our body with a plan and we actually come into this realm intentionally to take on deep, deep emotions and challenges in this third dimension because it's kind of all a dream, an illusion, and we take on challenges so that the soul can grow and expand. And it's an adventure and we want to do it, but it's, it is, there are very deep challenges for a lot of people. And what they don't see is the meaning. If they saw the meaning, the deep meaning behind it of why they wanted to have that experience, then they would, it would be much, much easier for them to understand. Yeah. So let's probe into that a little bit. We know that all kinds of horrible things happen to people. They are born with deformities or mental problems or, you know, they get shot accidentally or they get, you know, obviously there are huge events like the Holocaust and so on. So people would ask, why in the heck would anybody sign up for that? I don't remember signing up for that. I don't think I signed up for that. It almost seems like you have to sort of um, think about it deeply in, in order to have that make sense to you, or as many people would have to think about it deeply. So let's help them with that. Well, you know, people don't know. This is the thing they become, when we come into this realm, we intentionally take on a veil of forgetfulness of who we really are as this infinite soul, infinite one with all that is being. And we, we forget that intentionally because we want it. Otherwise, if we remembered that there wouldn't be all this learning, right? So some souls are very, what's the word? They're very ambitious when they're not in their body. Because when you're not in your body, you're much more expanded as a being. And you like, oh yeah, I want to take this on. I want to learn this. I want to learn that. And then when you come into the body, we forget all of this, but there's something inside of us deeply that knows. I mean, when I lost a twin, and I can talk more about this later, I lost my identical twin sister, and almost immediately after it happened, bells were ringing in the back of my consciousness. Everybody was grieving. I mean, I was grieving, of course, but I knew. It was like I already knew that she was going to go. And then what's more devastating than losing an identical twin? But I knew in my consciousness there's a huge story behind this, and I just felt it. And I got downloads of communication for the first time about, you know, your sister Kathy is fine. And remember what she was doing and reading before reading and doing and saying before she passed, uh, because she had a spiritual awakening right before she passed. And she was trying to communicate this to me. And I went, you know, what are you talking about? You know, but she, so we have these soul agreements, we have soul contracts, and then. We also have to understand the physics of this universe is, um, well, first of all, you have to know who you are. You have to sit in contemplation and ask that, quint- that, that essential question, who am I really? That has to inform your entire life completely. Can that and question be have, answered in words? I would say more than likely you might get a few words in your mind, but it's, it's experiential. Yeah. And the more you ask and the more you sit in that, the more it connects your entire being. And this is what is happening. This is why we are being pushed so hard because so many people are focused outward on this world and everything in it instead of focusing inward, which is the whole reason we're here is to remember who we really are. And then there's also the laws of physics, which is the law of attraction, energy, vibration, using your divine self, which is your connection with your divine self, but also using the principles of this universe 
to play a game, to create what you want to create. And as part of that creation, there are intentional contrasts because you see what you don't want. You see who you're not so that you know what you do want and what you, what you are. And some of them are pretty deep because at this time of this awakening that's happening, every, every fear, every judgment from every incarnation has to come up and be transmuted and all these separated parts of ourselves have to come back into wholeness. And so it's a big moment and there's a big choice that we have to make. Are we going to do this journey inward and are we going to learn more about who we really are and how things really work here? Or are we just going to continue to allow ourselves to be in victim mode? And so that's the choice we're making right now. Very mm. important. Yeah. Every sentence you speak gives rise to a question in my mind. So I'll just kind of pick certain Fire ones as we, as we go along. That's fun uh, for me. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing that's implicit in everything we've said so far is that, well, we, we've kind of already covered this, but that nothing happens by accident, that there's an intelligence that permeates and orchestrates the universe mm-hmm. and yes. that it doesn't miss a beat. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that intelligence. In fact, when you get into telling your life story about how you've been traveling around the world sort of on a wing and a prayer, that raises some really interesting questions about the mechanics of how things would just work out for a person in the nick of time. Continue telling your own story a bit, and then we'll get into that whole thing about how you traveled around, and we'll, we'll go into the whole discussion of Okay, so you want me to start with like my twin sister or just start at the beginning or just keep talking about well, what we were talking about? we've talked about Catherine dying and how that kind of kick-started your spiritual quest. And right. you discovered this whole cache of books and emails and so on that you hadn't been aware of. And you started to really plunge into that. And it was a beginning of a huge education for you. Yes, and I was communicating with her. And then I began communicating with beings of other consciousnesses such as what we would, what we in human form would call masters and, and angelic presence. And How did you communicate with them? What was, what was that? Well, there was dreams. One thing was dreams. I mean, the dreams were so vivid. I was having all these blue lights and because I'm very connected with Archangel Michael, which is blue. And my sister was, her symbol was blue butterflies and blue angels. So there was all this blue. And then I was hearing names like Jesus and Paramahansa Yogananda. And I mean, really like there was something. And then I was told there's a message. There's a message. And you're the one to deliver the message. And your sister's helping you. I mean, all of this is going on in dreams. And then also I was guided to certain psychic mediums who all said the same thing that you are here because of this awakening and you wanted to use that energy for yourself and for everyone else to clear out all the old energy that wouldn't serve humanity anymore. And so that, and also through meditation and, you know, direct connection, I, as time has gone, I'm able to have all those different like knowing and feeling and seeing and sensing and as a part of my daily life. And I can hear it's not really hearing. It's kind of more like our ideas and, and hearing somebody say something almost like, and then, you know, I can feel when I'm a Pisces, so I can feel if one hair is out of place, I can feel it. So I'm very feeling oriented. And I also just know things and I don't know how I know them. And I just knew, I just know that the things from, and I was told this by these, well, we'll get to later, the group of guides that came in about how, I came in with this knowing that the old ways were not going to work anymore. And so that was my part of this is to demonstrate a new way of understanding and being not really new. It's quite old actually, but we've forgotten it. 
So after my sister passed and I had all this communication, I was guided to quit my job. I started receiving guidance and I just kept getting quit my job. So I did quit my job. When you say you were guided, I mean, a lot of people feel like "Eh, this job sucks. I'd like to quit it. (laughs) Should they regard that as guidance? (laughs) The key is you have to know yourself. You know the saying, know thyself. You have to know yourself so well that you have to know, is this, if I'm having a challenge or something, is this a soul expanding challenge that I want to stay with? Or is there something I need to do differently? And I just knew, and also I was hearing it, you know, it's time to let go of the old, you have something else to do. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll get my master's degree. And I signed up and everything. And that helped me to quit my job. But in the end, there was going to be no, no master's degree. The universe was like, eh, no. <laughs> there's something else so i started doing my own podcast just like what you do and uh, some contact talk radio you may have heard of them and i started doing my own interviewing authors and i had written this book twin souls a message of hope for the new millennium with my twin sister helping me and all these other consciousnesses coming in and so i was kind of promoting that and then i really didn't know well, what am i because money was going away going away going away and i'm like well okay this is nice, but you know, what am I going to do? And so I just kept getting this internal guidance about become like a child, become like a child, let go of trying to figure anything. Cause I tried, I mean, when people read the book, they're going to laugh at some of the things I tried to do once I realized, Oh, cause I, I kind of thought, well, I'll publish this book and I'll be a famous author and that's how I'll have money. But it was not, that was not maybe later. They said the guides that I met, We'll speak about in a minute, but they said, yes, this will be a widely read book, but that's not how it's going to happen. So I thought, well, what am I supposed to do? So finally, I took this advice because there was nothing, there was nothing else. And so go play, find the joy that you felt as a child. And so everybody's at work. I was in my forties at the time. So I'm a 40 year old person. I'm on the beach, boogie boarding in the ocean and swimming and running. And then I went to ballet class, you know, ballet is my great dance and ballet my sister and my great love of our life and i did that and i then i did a silent retreat at uh, paramahansa yogananda's uh, self-realization center which he was a big influence in the early part of my journey and after that my father had passed away in 2006 and his estate was in a mess and he didn't have a will i told him to get one but he he was one of those types he didn't listen and so it was not supposed to settle for like a year. And then all of a sudden, bam, it settled right after I did that time period of just being like a child. And so some money came and I got myself a place right near the ocean, right near the self-realization fellowship, which I love so much. And everything came in. And Glenna, that's when I met a woman by the name of Glenna Dietrich. And that started me on a whole new direction. Did you want me to keep going or? Yeah, no, you're doing good. And Glenna was a trance channel. I listened to, what is it called? An Interview with the Universe. Right. I listened to that series with you and Glenna. And you you can tell the story, how you sat on the beach and elsewhere and like came up with like 250 questions. And and you're asking Glenna all these things. Okay. So I was doing my own radio show and I interviewed an author by the name of Robert Schwartz, who you had on the show. Amazing, amazing book called Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. And it's all about the plan that we make before we come into our body the challenges that we want to take on, the people that we're, we may or may not meet depending on how well we learn and all of this. And I was just so intrigued by that. It just really got me excited because I felt like there's so much more to this life than what meets the eye. So 
not through him though, through somebody else. This is how synchronicities work in my life. I met Glenn Dietrich. This man was promoting psychics and mediums on a website. And he asked me if I would have readings with these different mediums so that I could say, were they real or not real? And so one of them was Glenna Dietrich. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's Glenna Dietrich from the book, you know, your soul's plan. And so we had this long session together. She has passed away in 2009, but she is an absolutely amazing, wise, happy-go-lucky, just all the beautiful things of being human and also being very wise. And in the session, we, we, we had this long, she used astrology and Akashic records and everything. And then in the end, she said, okay, now we're going to do a channeling. And it's not going to be me. It's going to be these guides coming through to speak. And they came and they spoke to me and it was really profound. And then they said, do you want to ask questions? And I was, oh, wow, I get to ask questions. And I was kind of flustered and I asked a couple and then it was done. And I couldn't stop thinking about this because I am questioned. I have so many questions. And so I just couldn't stop thinking. And so finally I asked her again, Glenna, could we do that part again? I really want to do it again. And she said, well, normally I don't. It takes a lot of energy, but I'm, I'm being compelled that I should say yes. So during that second channeling, these guides came in and said, we highly recommend that you do what you have thought of. Well, let me back up. So I was going to have this second channeling with Glenna and I was writing out my questions. I was so excited on the beach, writing out my questions. And then I got this lightning bolt, like a book title, an interview with the universe. Oh, that's so exciting because, you know, I had a radio show and I had always wanted a really big guest on my show. Like, well, what's bigger than the universe? So it was so great. So I told her and she got very excited because she said she'd always wanted to use her gifts in a bigger way. So I was able to, at this time I had, the money was just, I had no money. I I don't, I was just skimming along, but something in my, this little voice reminded me about some credit card points that I had. So I was able with those credit card points to book a trip to Minneapolis where she was. And we were going to do this interview with the universe where I would ask the questions. She would be in a trance state and the guides would speak through her to me. And then it would eventually would become a book. And all Uh, that's on YouTube. And I I could even add a link to that in the show notes. Did you ever write the book? I am writing it. It's my books are very long. The first one took five years. Now it's going on 12. I don't write short books, but it's the evolving process is stunning. Yeah. And so it's not ready to be written. It's not ready to be completed, but I am writing it as I go along. So the stuff in the book yeah. is more than came out in the interview with Glenna? Oh, it's way more. massively, massively, massively more. That was just the starting point. Okay, so we want to talk about that at some point, your new book and yes. what's in it. But we also want to talk about how your life proceeded after this and how you ended yeah. up traveling to 20 countries in the world for, I don't know how many years you did this, but... You know, 12. 12 years without any reliable source of income and often sort of down to your last dollar and things would always just keep working out. It's kind of worth telling that story, I think, to really get to know you. So we, we had a channeling sessions that were not part of that, the public recordings. And in those recordings, the guides, we just called them the guides. You know, in, in, in one of the sessions, they, they said, we're not going to say who we are on the public because humans get too caught up and, you know, who is it and all of this. But they said it's the brotherhood, it's a white brotherhood or the brotherhood of light, which is also known as the Christ council or the council of elders or whatever, but they, the guiding the earth and also the angelic realm. 
And they said the cosmic sources that you couldn't even imagine in your human mind are involved in this. And they said, what you're going to be doing, they kept alluding to a journey and they said, it's going to take enormous courage. They just kept saying that enormous courage. And in fact, you're going to face the deepest fears of all of humanity. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, what am I going to be doing? It was really like, okay. You know, I just, I had this sense in me. I'm very, I have a very strong will. So I was like, okay. They said, but when you come out the other side of it, you are going to be ready for what's going to happen in the world and you're going to be able to help other people and you will be a a profound teacher because you've done this experientially. Are you out the other side now or are you still traveling? I mean, out the other side, meaning walking to the deepest fears. The deepest fears part seems to have um, moved out. But uh, no, I have no idea. Like I only have two weeks where I'm at now and have no idea what's after that and no money to back me up. So Um, (laughs) I did that when I was a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's so, I mean, but that's just, it's commonplace to me. It doesn't cause any at all. But as far as like what I learned, there would be a moment where I would be, as I'm doing right here, turning around and sharing the wisdom so that people who started to have their own seeming security might be falling away what they can do. And obviously that's happening. People might be watching this interview five or 10 years from now, but obviously we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and Mm -hmm. the rug is being pulled out from under a lot of people. Absolutely. You don't really hear the full story on the news because the news gives you sound bites, but there are millions of people out there who are really in dire straits and have a great deal of fear and uncertainty. That's what the guide said. They kept saying, you are going to be ready for what's going to happen in the world. And there will be many people who would be absolutely terrified when this happens, but you will not be. But I had to go through a lot of things to get to that point. Believe me. Um, But I did the dress rehearsal. (laughs) I did. I did. I did. I mean, and, but the thing is, I I want to reassure everyone that you're not going to take on the level of intensity that I did because these guides said you intentionally took the most intense packed journey that you could. That's just your personality that you came in with. So you may have some challenges, but it's not going to be when, when I start describing some, if I describe some of them later, don't worry, you're probably not going to do that. But in your own way, you need to, well, you'll need to start understanding these things more deeply about who you are and how that, that actually supplies you and how do I, I can go into more depth about how I used the physics of this universe to bring about what I, what I needed. I was, on, I was on a boat ride in, on Lake Lucerne in Switzerland in 1975, I think it was, and with Marshi Mahesh Yogi and a bunch of people. Oh. He was talking about this time that seems to yeah. be here now, which he called the phase transition. And he used various analogies from physics about phase transitions, such as when water oh. boils and things like that. But in any case, someone said to him, how can we survive that? And he just said, hold on to the self. That's it. Yeah. It's it, and that's how I did it, and that's how I've survived facing the deepest fears of all of humanity by myself in across the world in non-English speaking countries. And, yeah, yeah, yeah and, on to the, and places like that. Oh God, held on to the south, but also know the laws of physics in this universe, which we can talk about. So I was told that I was going to be doing this, and then. So we did the interview with the universe, and I came back to San Diego, which is where I'm from. And then a very short time later, because my father, I told you my father's estate had settled and I had some money, but there came a point in time in 2008 when all that money was gone. And 
I'm like, what am I going to do? Is this what's going to happen to me? I'm going to be homeless in my car. Is this what these guides were talking about? But I, I somehow I felt, no, is there's something else, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was walking on the beach and just praying and praying and praying, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. You know, just was closer and closer and closer to the time when I had to pay my rent and I couldn't pay it. And I kept getting this little small, in my mind's eye, this woman who had asked me to come counsel her daughter because her daughter had friend committed suicide. And she knew that I knew about all this stuff. It's interesting that you were asking the question, tell me what to do, because a lot of people would just say, okay, what do I have to do? All right. Well, I have to get a job or I have to do this and um, have to, you know, find a cheaper place to live or something. They would, they wouldn't be asking anybody what they should do. They would just be sort of assuming there was no one to ask and making decisions as best they could. But you just had this pretty solid sense that, Oh yeah. That there was some guidance if you asked for it. I I wouldn't be able to survive what I came in to do without that. So, and the other thing is I did, I would sit for hours printing, you know, filling out applications for jobs and then I would print it and would print blank. I had sometimes had three jobs lined up. They all fell through. It was not happening. It was, I mean, people say you did this by choice. Well, yeah, I guess, but there was (laughs) nothing that would stick to me. Nothing. And I mean, I worked in corporate America. I, you know, I was very successful. I, I made a lot of money in my early 30s for someone in their 30s. It wasn't that I didn't have the ability to work. And this was happening. Well, I had just met these guides through Glenna, but a lot of it was going on. We were kind of in between. I wasn't, hadn't really talked to Glenna, but I, I was connecting inwardly to these beings because if you listen to the interview in the beginning, it says, this is a receiving of information from you and by you. And I take that to mean my multidimensional self. Higher self. You know, you had Kristen Kirk on the show. She expressed it beautifully that there's the individual part. It's the one infinite source takes on these different levels of soul and then individual personality, et cetera. Yeah. So I knew that this receiving of information was my own self. And I just want to add that, I mean, most of the people who watch this show are familiar with everything you're saying, but but I have interviewed actually people who who would disagree with this whole worldview. And so if they do, then probably some of the listeners might or might not fit into their understanding. But, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of people who routinely perceive all kinds of subtle beings around us doing things, some of which may have to do with us, some of which may not, like Harry Alto, for instance, or Francis Bennett, or you know, different people who just see this as routinely as we might see people walking through a shopping mall. The basic concept you're alluding to here is there's more to life than meets the eye. There are these subtler dimensions, and the subtler dimensions, whatever they're made of, we could think of them as being astral or celestial realms, which are made of some astral celestial matter are highly populated. <laughs> There's as many beings in those realms as there Huge. are on, on the surface yeah. realm that we perceive. And we may not perceive them, but some of them or, or many of them perceive us and have and interact in ways that influence our lives. And that may be their actual function to influence our lives and to either assist or thwart our intentions according to how they align with cosmic purpose, we could say. Well, they, they wouldn't, they would never intervene and thwart, you know, we as human beings, and this is an argument that goes on and on about free will, but I was told by the guides, it is all about your free will in this realm, because I got all caught up in the non-dual thing before too, and people try to negate the human part and the soul part, but it, it's just the one infinite source taking on different, for its own expansion, bringing itself, you know, Kristen explained like, 
you know, there's just this oneness, there's this nothingness, and then it comes down into the soul level, then it comes down into each individual being. And so these beings that are guiding us, it's no different than you and I talking. They're just at a higher frequency. They're not even somewhere else. It's just that the human eye can't see them because they're vibrating at a higher rate of speed. And so they play, the guide said that we have like 12, sometimes 12 deep of different spirit guides throughout our life all the time. And they said that you can choose not to take the guidance. You have complete free will. And that your guides want you to make choices. And they said it doesn't matter what choice. Just make one and then that'll be supportive. <laughs> See how it goes, yeah. Well, I'll give you an example yeah. of thwart. When I first started this show, I conceived of it as a radio show on this local little station here that has since gone out of business that has a, a 10-mile radius, had a 10-mile radius. Ah. You know, it seems like a done deal. It was, this is a spiritual community I live in, and they, they should be interested, but they weren't. And it was just meeting <laughs> with this opposition. And finally, when the idea shifted to doing it on a much larger scale, then total support started happening. Well, that's more of a redirect, it sounds like, you know, or like an expansion of what you started off. You know, it's just like me trying to get a job and it wasn't happening. Right, exactly. I would call that a Because it wasn't it's what just... it was supposed to happen. I mean, it was my own soul, which is me. It's mm-hmm. not something outside of me saying, you know, gently, gently nudging me. Because I could have kept filling out applications and I could have kept trying, you know, but I, I knew, no, this is not happening. So, but we have guidance and you get to choose whether you take it or not. When you, when you printed out a job application and the paper was blank, that was your own soul on some higher level causing the printer to malfunction? I guess. I don't know. I mean, something. It was just not happening. I yeah. mean, I tried. To be, it was a joke, some of the things that I tried to do. I mean, I laugh about it now, but at the time I was kind of afraid. Like, well, nothing is happening. What am I supposed to do? And <laughs> it was really scary. Yeah. And so people later on down the road, oh, you just don't want to work and you're just on this joyride. Oh, honey, you want to trade positions with me? <laughs> Yeah, really. It is very challenging. So, um, so I forgot where I was, but anyway, it's, um, yeah. So you had been invited by this woman to counsel yes. her daughter who had, whose friend had committed suicide. And so right. you didn't know what you were going to do, but you did that. I, I, I was, I was asking for guidance, repeatedly asking for guidance. And the only thing that kept coming was that. And so I went, I had at that, by that moment, I had no money, no food, no hardly any gas in my car, call it petrol here in England, hardly any petrol in my car. And I said, well, I know because I had learned how to accept the guidance, even if it seems crazy. And also I learned about if you serve others, then you will be served. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I drove the 40 minutes to this friend's house and I counseled the daughter and the, the friend had just had surgery. So she had a bunch of friends there. And so they all said, Hey, do you have, I used to carry copies of my book around and they all bought copies of the book. So I got some money and they fed me lunch. So I ate. And then one of the women, she looked really familiar to me and she said, Hey, I kind of told them what was going on. Like I'm about to be homeless. And, and she said, well, I'm going out of the country and I need a pet sitter and I love animals. So, and she said, you know, just move in with me. And I said, yeah, but I, I need a place right away. She's like, I don't care. I have an office. Let's go. So all in one day I was literally like homeless. And then this woman just popped up and because I followed the guidance, you see, it's like Hansel and Gretel follow the trail. It happened so fast. I just moved. That was the last place that I rented was this little adorable cottage in Encinitas right near the beach. And that was the last home. And that was in 2008. And so I, I moved in with this woman 
and she went out of the country and I petted her lovely animals. And then, you know, from there, I started hopping around with different friends who invited me, one in San Francisco. And then I was with my friend in San Francisco, just visiting and staying with her. And then she was so worried. Oh my God, Elizabeth, you have to do something. You have to do something. And I kept saying to her, I'm going to get a phone call. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. Well, sure enough, the phone call came and it was a man who I had met like a year ago, Glenna and I, when Glenna was alive, we had gone to this conference in Tennessee and presented the interview. And while we were there, I met a man and he was building a healing center in Tennessee. I felt something at that time when I met him, he called out of the blue. How are you doing? I said, told him what was going on. He said, well, I have this healing center here that I'm building on this river. So it's not completely done yet, but come here. And guess what the name of the town was? Elizabethton, Tennessee. <laughs> and he said, I have a car here that you can use, a little car. I had no money, but I had my friend flew me back to San Diego because my car was there and all my stuff. And the same friend that whose daughter I counseled, she said, come stay with me. <clears throat> she fed me. I had $6 to my name. I bought a $6 car wash. I put my car on Craigslist and I had this premonition that in three days that car will sell and you'll be on a plane to Tennessee. That exact thing then happened. And I ended up in Elizabethton, Tennessee in this big, gorgeous home right on the river. And that's where it all kind of started in earnest because I would be down to no money all the time, all the time. And some neighbor would knock on the door with a big basket of food. So it didn't always come in money. In fact, often it didn't come in money. It would be a person that would offer something or food. And I was not the one controlling this, but I was using my intention, my energy, my, the skills of using the physics of this universe <laughs> to draw into myself what I needed. So it wasn't passive. I, I tried there to get a job too. Again, nothing, you know, so everything just kept coming. And I was out in the country. It was this tiny little town. I knew nobody. And yet somehow either money would show up or a person, but it was always something different. Yeah. And that's kind of how it all started. The, 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 the United States part of it anyway, it's where it all kind of began, where I started to see there is something here that is supporting me. Yeah. And, and um, you've, I've, you know, listened to about five or more hours of other interviews and things you did. And, you know, we could spend this whole interview talking about all this yeah. amazing sort of um, synchronicities and supports yeah. that you received as you traveled around the world. Um, but since those are in other interviews, I want to be sure to save time for talking about some of the deeper principles that we want to talk about. But although all this that you're describing is symptomatic of some deeper principle. Yeah. Um, but, um, and feel free to bring in more anecdotes and stories like that. But uh, I just wanted to read. <laughs> yeah. You told me that a lot of people are reminded of this verse from the Bible, which we might as well read here. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's from Matthew six twenty-five through 27. And um, the reason I wanted to read that is that, again, I think that what you're describing is indicative of a, a deeper spiritual mechanics, which we've already talked about, the, the, the intelligence of the universe, call it God, if you like, um, who 
you know, attends to every lily of the field and every bird of the air and uh, takes care of them and can take care of us as well. Now, I've had some, I was just having an interesting conversation with a friend not long ago who was kind of arguing that it seems like animals are enlightened because they're so innocent and so in tune with nature and all that. And I was saying, no, we have to define enlightenment. And, and, you know, that's a certain stage. And yes, they are very much in tune with nature. But as humans, we kind of go through a more intermediate stage where we're more like teenagers, you know, with our free will and getting ourselves into trouble. And enlightenment yeah. would be more of a mature stage than that, where we, mm-hmm. we regain the sort of innocence and attunement with nature of animals. And yet we have attained sort of the wisdom of a higher wisdom, a self-realization. Well, I don't agree that we are more important. I think that's a mistranslation or something, but, you know, in that verse, they say, I'm not going into that. I think animals are very enlightened. And in, in Robert Schwartz's book, Your Soul's Gift, they say that, that some animals are like really evolved beings and they don't want to go into the human drama. They don't, they don't want to take that. So they come as helpers. But it's true that we have the deep stuff. We have the veil of forgetfulness, whereas they don't. I think that they're more direct in their connection with source and because they just are. They don't have the analytical, the past, the future, and all this. They have emotions to a certain degree. One yeah. angle on it is that it's like, where do you draw the line? As nervous systems become more complex, they mm-hmm. become more capable of embodying, we could say, divine intelligence. If you go in the other direction, you know, can, a, can an amoeba do that? Can a cockroach? I mean, as you go up the evolutionary scale biologically, there's greater and greater complexity and greater and greater ability to, as the Bible says, man is made in the image of God, to attain or live in God consciousness. Well, that is true. And we take on, I mean, in, in these books like Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift and in the interview with the universe, talked about how we sometimes have an idea, though, we're just like kindergartners here on earth. No, we are masters. Anybody that takes on mental illness, um, anxiety, trauma, uh, drama that we take on, you you are a master to do that. And so, yes, it is an absolute. But, the, you know, as Jesus said, there are many mansions in my father's house. There are many realms, many different dimensions. I don't know whether this is true or not, but I think sometimes people will take on the role of an animal just to have a rest or something, or they take on, they go to another world. I mean, this might sound strange to other people, but it's only sounds strange because you're so, the human brain and mind is so limited. We we are not the only, I mean, there are so many different ways that you can take on, but yes, taking on human form, you actually have to be very strong and very, very courageous to do it because before you come into your body, you're saying, yeah, I'll take on, you know, the loss of a child. And I'll take, I'll take that on because I want to learn compassion and help other parents who lost child. That's all what it's about. It's always a meaning. Like I want to help others. I want to grow in my compassion. And so there's always a meaning, but it's a very intense thing. And I once heard a spiritual teacher say that a lot of times before we come into this life, when we're negotiating what we're going to take on, we try to bite off more than we can chew because yes. we really want to, you know, we really want to evolve. We say, yeah, lay it all on me. I can take it. And whoever, I did that. whoever's talking to us at that stage says, man, maybe it's not so fast. You know, just <laughs> we're going to give you this much, but you won't be able to handle more than that. Well, yeah. I mean, who takes on the worst fears of all of humanity? Come on, you know, yeah. by myself, the craziness. Yeah. It was really, really intense and, and still is, but I just have a knowing in me that, that it's right. When you allow your, to follow your heart, 
you know, kind of have to know the difference between the mind and the heart. When you follow your heart, that doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. But when a challenge comes, it feels you're like, I, I know this is right, even though it's really, really challenging. If you're really connected inwardly, you can feel the rightness. Not that you like it or that you want it, but I mean, it. there's a sense of rightness that you understand that there's some meaning. That's the thing. People must understand there's a deeper meaning to everything in the infinite universe and so it's you're not a victim of anything and then the guide said please please clear this up we cannot move into a higher state of consciousness with people just believing that things are happening to them randomly and why does this just keep happening to me and we're gonna have to move beyond that and i mean yeah you've taken on a lot but at the same time you're an educated western woman who is really materially blessed in many ways, even though you, you have had very little money at times. But, you know, you're not a child picking through garbage dumps in Asia or living in the sewers of Bogota or something like that, which are some references that I found in your book. You know, there's some people who are born into really horrific challenges and who die under those circumstances. But I would imagine that you would stick to your guns even on that, as would Rob Schwartz, and say even that we've signed up for for some evolutionary purpose right well i haven't taken it on in this lifetime no you're right yeah the guy said you've all done all things yeah good you've point. been paupers you've been kings you've been everything in between you've been the victim the victimizer that's why you cannot judge because we've all done it and it's all just playing this drama of these different experiences and yes i i think that what i was going to take on i needed to have a Western, I'm, I'm very educated and I'm very, you know, all the, all the things that I am, I needed those things in order to make it through what I took on and then also to be able to communicate it. Mm, yeah, so I needed, I needed those elements. Obviously, if I was picking through trash somewhere, how would I be able to do what I did? I watched a movie once and someone was homeless and I cried for 30 minutes, cried and cried and cried because I knew it's something in me. Like, I know that I have that experience. And actually, earlier in the journey, one of my fears that I had to face was being homeless, like in the traditional sense. And I had to go to a homeless shelter. I've faced those. Oh, God, yeah. And not only that, but my guidance was that you are here in these places, so many places across the planet. It wasn't just about not having money. It was about the misuse of power. And it was about fear of authority. And it was about shifting the balance of power within myself. So I was continually put in these situations where someone was misusing their power. And then I was guided, now you speak up. And I had no money. I had nothing to back me up in what gives us power in this world. Possessions, name, money, status. And I didn't have that. So people were misusing their power against you in some way? Against me or against the, like I was in the Salvation Army. And they were treating the people like dirt and me included. Leaders or? Yeah, the the people who ran the place, yes. Salvation Army is a franchise, so I'm sure there there are many who you know are good. But this one, I was guided to this one, and I was there, and it was horrendous what I saw going on there. They were treating people like dirt, and there was hierarchy because there were the veterans who the government paid for them to be there. So they were, which is you know as well they should be, but I mean they were treated like kings and queens, and they didn't have to leave. But we had to leave every day and just go. And it was freezing, and we had to go sit somewhere. Maybe the library would be open. It was, it was really, really, and, but just the treatment. And so I was told, keep your peace, keep your peace. So I keep my peace for a long while, just observing, observing, observing. I was teaching people there how to meditate. And they were like, God, what are you doing here? I'm like, 
I felt like I was an undercover journalist because I didn't need to be there. I worked in corporate America. Obviously, I could get some job, but my sister was helping the homeless before she died, and I knew I was there for a reason. And in the end, I was told, now you need to go in and speak up. And this happened, I don't know how many times in this journey where I was in the most difficult circumstance and then said, now you have to go speak up about it. I tried every other thing, like being compassionate and forgiving, which I, I did want to forgive because I don't want to be coming from my ego when I walk in there. I want to be coming from a higher consciousness. Like this is a gift that you're giving by speaking up for yourself, for them and for all, because what they're doing is not aligned with love. So I went in there and I said to the captain and the people, have you ever heard of Matthew twenty five thirty five? Because they're quoting Jesus and then doing everything in the name of Jesus. And I, and you know, Matthew twenty five thirty five is when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was a stranger, you took me in. Oh, Master, when did we do these things for you, Jesus? And he said, "What you do unto the least of my brothers, you do unto me." I was thinking of that and very the, quote like two yeah. minutes ago when you started telling the story. <laughs> but they're only the least. How did they react they when you said that to them? Well, I want to add, they're only the least because they had the least. They're not lesser than. Oh, well, I said, you know, you are not treating me and any of these other people like Jesus's brothers and sisters. And she was smiling, but her eyes were daggered. And she said, well, you can leave. And I said, you're right, I can leave. And you know, I don't have anything, but I'm asking you, do you think this is how Jesus would, would act? And within a very short time, I got thrown out. And this happened, I got thrown out of so many places, one place was a Christian shelter, same type of thing happened. And then four police officers threw me out because I was questioning the powers that be. Is this how Jesus would really act? Yeah. So I had a lot of that kind of stuff well, going on. Well, this brings up a kind of an interesting point, which is that did those people actually change? Maybe it, it made a little chink it in their matter. armor, you know? It's not about that. What's about it about? It was, your it was your about personal me. growth? Yeah, okay. Well, we're all interconnected. Yeah. What I I, again and again, it's like shifting the balance of power away from money being your power, away from possessions being your power. When I do that, it affects the whole. Whether or not they change, I mean, that's, I, I can't, it wasn't about that. I mean, I'm sure some of them, maybe they did, but it's, it was, it's, again, this is not a, this is not a, um, it, we're, we're dealing at a higher level of shifting the, the power that's what I was doing in myself and for everyone so that people can speak up when they need to speak up, even if they don't have anything and know that this is okay. You know, so, sure. um, anyway, but, but you I know, have, speaking truth, the power can bring about change as Gandhi and King and yeah, others yeah. have demonstrated. So maybe it's a matter of, um, strength in numbers or something, or, you know, there's a, uh, there's a great story from, I think it's from the Garuda Purana or something in the Vedic literature where this little bird had laid its eggs on the seashore. And at one one point, a a wave came and washed the eggs away. And the bird was distraught and said to the ocean, okay, I'm going to empty you if you don't give back my eggs. So she like took a beak full of water and you know, mm-hmm. out of the ocean, dumped it on the sand, took another beak full and just kept doing this. And obviously it was a futile exercise, but eventually the, the king of the birds, you know, it came, came to his attention and he came and said to the ocean, okay, give back the eggs or I will suck you dry or something. And of course the eggs were returned. So sometimes it just seems impossible when we make an individual effort like that. But I think 
if it's something whose time has come and we're doing it in the right spirit, perhaps it serves as a um, catalyst for a bigger change to take place. Well, yeah, that that is the point. I mean, people will read this book and they will hear this story. And maybe, and I, I did actually send a letter. I met a man who helped me when I got thrown out of one of my many places who helped me. And he'd emailed me later saying, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, yeah, I'd like you to deliver a letter to the Salvation Army and to the churches because the churches in that area threw me out too. And so I sent a letter and I just explained, you know, you don't know who comes to your door. And I'm a writer and I'm a speaker and I'm going to make public what you're doing. And, you know, I'm just letting you know. I said to them, I forgive you for you know not what you do. But, you know, this isn't going to be, you have, you have to act from love if you're going to. No, I just, some, some type of letter. I just sent it yeah, because I just good. felt, yeah. you know, the, the thing is maybe that won't change. But there's a principle in quantum physics called critical mass. And so if enough numbers of people start to, if you know who you are and you experience that power, then it doesn't matter whether you have money you know, because think about what gives power. Like, think about when we talk an, a- an actor or someone, what is their net worth? How much money do they have, their possessions? And so that's the power up until this point in the world. But going forward, we can't move into higher consciousness with everything being about money and possessions. And so I was demonstrating by my own inner being and power and guidance, I was able to speak up in situations that were absolutely impossible over and over again as a means of demonstrating something and, and, and yeah, like maybe other people will take more courage, but you have to be careful because you want to like sit and meditate for a long, long time before you take action. Because if you're coming just from your own judgment and I did not want to come from my own judgment, it's like, look, I don't care. I just want to go sit in some cottage on the beach somewhere. I don't care. I don't, I did not in my human self, like, I don't want to do this, but they're like, this is why you're here. So, so I had to really become clear that yes, you are here to say these things and it is a gift, even though they won't see it now. And even though you don't see it that much now, like just get me out of here. You know, just please get me out of here. I don't want to be in a homeless shelter yelling at some really, really, really challenging. And after I heard your Robert Schwartz interview, where he said that you can talk to the council of elders and ask to be the other day, I said, could I be released from this contract now? again and again being the one like the, uh, bullying or some situation let this cup okay. pass from me yeah th- yeah because it's it's not fun and the people hated me and if you ask them now they probably say oh she's you know she's a horrible being a human being it just was it's just how it was and i the guide said to me that i came in with a lot of power and i said well what does that mean they said in terms that you can understand you know how to think for yourself capital s and you don't listen and you know that what has been will not carry forward. So because of that, you also decided to witness a lot of misuse of power so that you would not misuse your power. So there was that also. I'm like, okay, I think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get it. So a lot of it had to do with authority and power and misuse of power and money. And so it was mm. a really, really, really crazy. Yeah. So you're kind of on the fast track learning lessons. <laughs> And obviously, um, you are very concerned about the world. You have a broader vision. This isn't just about your personal drama of 
bouncing from place to place around the world and where are you going to sleep tonight and all this, you have a much broader perspective than that. And you're, you're tuned in to the notion that big changes are afoot. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about that. And of course, as I told you, even before we started, if there's anything you feel like talking about that I'm not bringing up, you should just chime in. I've long felt, and as have many people, that some more enlightened world is somehow on the horizon. And for that to actually dawn or become a reality, a great many deeply entrenched things in our current world, economic, political, Mm -hmm. social, are going to have to somehow change. But they seem so entrenched. They seem so powerful. They seem so solid. And it's like that little bird. The ocean seems so big. But how do you see really significant changes coming about both the mechanics of it and the actuality of it in terms of how things may actually shift, if you care to conjecture, uh, how, how things may actually look 5, 10, 20 years from now. First of all, those who study non-duality, and you've had many on your show who've had these awakenings, right, where they see that I am not this individual separated personality. This is a temporary thing, and I am one with all it is, and the world that I see is an illusion, so we kind of got to go back to that. Which is it's not like, to say what, it doesn't exist, but it, it's not what it appears to be. It's not as it appears to be, exactly. Like, it's not a solid world separate from myself, separate objects. Yeah, very clearly, it doesn't. It, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means that it doesn't, it isn't as it appears. So, so this outer world with all of its things, it's kind of not really as it is. It doesn't really have the solidity that it appears to. So that's kind of one... Yeah, one level. and it's and not it's, just dumb stuff either. It's when you say it's not no, solid, it's 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 it's, uh, it's, it, it's vi- vibrating with life every little iota. Pure awareness, yeah. and even the body is not what it appears to be. Exactly. And so, and we're get, we're gonna as we go into future future, we're gonna the guides had said that we're going to transition into crystalline light bodies. I don't know the trajectory if we're talking a thousand years or twenty. I don't know, but we're all moving up. So. Well, again, the, the principle of critical mass in, in quantum physics states, I don't know exactly what it is, 2 to 3% of the population focusing inward, becoming empowered by their own self, yeah. and then allowing that to inform their whole life, which includes money and finances and everything else, then the dominoes fall. Yeah. And also, we're having a lot of help because look at COVID. Do you think that couldn't happen? Brought the whole world to its knees, and I don't think it's done and I've heard through very clear people that I very much trust in channels and my own intuitive that it's this is just the start. So this is why I'm here to speak about, and this is my part of it, about money and how money is nothing. There's only one power. There's only one power, and that power is within you and within you know everything that you see. And you have to actually experientially go into that power like every day. And the more you do, what it does is expands your vibration. And when your vibration is expanded, you can then attract, this is law of attraction, to yourself what you need at a much easier, higher level. People say to me, how do you always, I, everything I envision, it comes. I heard you interview Daryl Anka, the Bashar, and I heard a woman, it was Bashar's the channels, a group of beings. And I heard a woman and she was asking Bashar, what is my frequency? Because he could see. He said, well, you're about 147,000 cycles per second. And she said, well, what about Jesus and Buddha? And I would add like Paramahansa, Yogananda, and whoever. And they said, well, they were at about 300,000 cycles per second. And so why 
is because they took on more of themselves internally. They took on more of life. They took on more of who they were the one at one with all that is. So they were at a higher frequency. So when we talked about God in the interview, they said to know God is to embrace the full spectrum from dark to light, what we would consider dark to light and to understand that that is within you. And so look inward instead of outward at the world and pointing fingers, heal those things within yourself, embrace with love, all aspects of the self, which are kind of gone into separation, bring them back. Then you will know God. And that's what Jesus and Buddha did and all the great masters. It wasn't just about light. They had to embrace the full spectrum of duality. And that is what they did. And that brought them to a higher frequency. It's not just about, oh, I'm going to put on a smile and force positivity. There's no real positivity there. So of course it doesn't work. You have to actually clear your limiting beliefs and your judgments and your fears inside yourself. Take your focus off the world and And when you do that, you become a massive power in the world. And it's not that hard to do. You you see right in front of your eyes what you need to work on. And if you see something in the world and you point your finger at how, say, well, even at a lesser degree, have I done that, said that probably in another incarnation, you, you did. Because they say if you saw it, you wouldn't even recognize it if you had not once done it. So you have to forgive what you think you see in the world, in the outer world which is just an outpicturing of the inner. So this whole law of attraction thing, I think has been misunderstood and I can go deeper into that if you want. Yeah, we will. There's there's several things in what you just said. There's the law of attraction thing, which some people complain about because it's been applied rather superficially. Oh, I I like this pearl necklace or whatever. And it has a a more profound mechanics, which um, is not trivial. So there's that. We can go into that. And this whole thing about the small percentage influencing the whole, I can give you a couple of quick examples. In the heart, 1% of the cells are called pacemaker cells, and they regulate the firing of all the other cells in the heart. In a magnet, only a small percentage, uh, I don't know how many, maybe 1% of the atoms have to be polarized, and then the whole thing becomes a magnet. In a laser, it's the square root of 1% of the photons have to align, and the rest of the photons entrain with those, and the whole thing becomes like one big coherent photon. So there are all these examples in, in nature of small percentages influencing the larger numbers. So the idea of the hundredth monkey, which I don't know if that was yep. a true story, but the principle is that a small percentage of the population becoming coherent or rising to a certain level of spiritual realization, the influence is much more significant than than the apparent numbers of such people. It, it can really have a very pivotal transformational effect on the whole. And I think maybe we were already seeing that. I mean, I really feel like the whole spiritual awakening that seems to be rippling across the planet, even though the numbers are small compared to the general population, is already really shaking things up and um, is ultimately the solution to the problems which beset us because all these problems are really symptomatic of the mind state of the people (laughs) who who create the world who pollute the environment who who become fabulously wealthy at the expense of others and so on these are all reflections of mental conditions and and what is spiritual evolution other than a transformation of our mental condition so if that can become as contagious as the virus if not more so (laughs) then i think we can see a big change in the world yeah i mean first of all the guide said all matter is created by thought so 
what does that tell you? What you think you're seeing is just a collective outpicturing of the deepest fears. You know, I walk through my deepest fears of myself and all of humanity, and we're doing that as a collective. And the reason for that is to heal, to say, oh, this is mine. I take responsibility for what I see in my world, even though it seemingly doesn't have any to do with me. Do you see that happening and, so far? I mean, with COVID and all the, all the shakeup that's happening, do you see any indications that people are beginning to self-reflect? And I, you know. I think there are some, but I'm, I have to admit that I'm a bit dismayed by what I see. Uh, we have to take responsibility of that for myself. But and one of the things the guide said was that there are many beings who took on this lifetime and they are intentionally playing very dense, heavy roles because we live in a realm of polarities, there had to be those individuals, which they did out of love, to hold the low energy so the rest of us can go upward. And they said it's inappropriate to name call, to denigrate, to make fun of. And I, I think we see a lot of that going on. And I don't know why someone who understands we are all one would do that because you're just putting out into the world what you don't want. I'm guilty you're of saying, it. You know, I don't do it, but I, I have a lot of friends who do. And I'm just scratching my head going, don't you understand that that's coming right back on you? So I would encourage people to please stop. If you really want change, then please stop that. No problem can be solved at the level was created. So by going and slinging mud and angry and pointing fingers and telling and lamenting how terrible everything is, you are just creating massive more of what you say that you don't want. And the guide said it's creating storms and the weather, the fear and the anger, the, the blame and the shame. And the, all of this is creating massive storms and the energy patterns, the slamming into the, look, we just had the huge hurricane. Well, the, I think that might have something to do with climate change, too. This is what they told me. They said it's climate change. Yes, there's things that humans have done. But the the worst problem on the planet, bar none, is fear because fear is an energy. And it's ratcheting up so much that it's causing chaos. They said there is a heating up happening. They said even if there were no pollutants or anything like that, it would still be happening because there's just needs to be a heating up. Things need to shift they told me that you know human beings are very lazy, and so we would not make the changes that need to be made unless these things would happen. That's and true. Not, you you know, can see that. It's like people don't change unless they're absolutely forced to. Right, you know? and they said... Like the alcoholic was, has to bottom out before he seeks help. Or right, whatever. and so they said that if this doesn't happen, if these changes don't happen, and I know we've heard this before, but they said it very succinctly, the human race will not survive long term. I think they're right. This is why we're being hit so hard in 2020 and everybody's lamenting and I'm celebrating. I'm so 2020 is amazing to me. (laughs) I'm not because I don't have fear about it, but I understand. I understand. Believe me. I understand why it's very scary, but it's very simple. If you just find that inner self that will put you in a higher frequency, which means that everything you need will come. And also to understand quantum physics, that we don't live in a finite world. There's no objective world separate from you out there in solid separated objects. It's like, no, it's, you know, what, you know, you may understand this more than I do, Rick, but it's like the wave and the particle. When you put your focus on the wave, it comes into a particle, it comes into form. So the more you focus on peace and love and joy and laughter and play, and the more you focus on your infinite beingness you know, really evolved beings are laugh and play. They don't take life seriously. The more you do that, the more in your own individual life, you will see absolute miracles happen. It has nothing to do with the outer world because the outer world is not even really outer. 
each person is guided in their own specific way. If you have lost your job, you do have exactly precise guidance be given to you if you can become still and stop lamenting and you know whatever it is you're doing and try to connect with that inner self the answers are there and also things will show up people will show up i want to say to the people who this is happening to accept help ask for help don't be afraid because the guide said we're trying to get you human beings to rely on each other there's a difference between depend and rely and that was what i was given Like I say, I am not dependent on any one person, place, or condition for my supply, for what I need. But I rely on people because that's community and we rely on each other. Everything we have comes through people. If you think about it, if you have money, it comes through a person, through a job or whatever, or a business or a friend or a government or whatever. I have a friend who, um, in fact, my next door neighbor has a business in which it's a restaurant, but he also manufactures a product, uh, a food product. And he said that the global supply chains are just totally screwed up right now. He can't get the apples he needs for his product Mm. and he can't get the aluminum cans he needs to put them in and everything's really messed up. I don't know where we'll go with this, but supply chains and on-demand way that we get the materials we need are very tenuous because it's been profitable to have it be just on the edge in terms of accessibility, but a slight disruption can throw the entire chain out of kilter. And that's what's happening in the world right now with many things. And imagine if there were a shutdown of the electrical grid for an um, extended period of time, which could happen through hacking or a solar flare or any number of things. We'd all be in pretty bad shape. But ultimately, I mean, what can somebody do? They could do the survivalist type of stuff and stock up food and get a generator and all. But I think ultimately, the ultimate survival tool is know thyself, like we've already said. That's the foundation of it all. Yeah. And the guide said that it's going to be much more local, like they're going to go to much more local, like we're just the community. They said that profit will become the least important. And they said that when people start to awaken, truly awaken to their power, there will be no longer a need for controls amongst you. There will no longer be a need for government programs at all, because when you change your energy, that changes the world. And so the world is not finite. There's infinite, 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 infinite everything. And so it's not limited. Like there's only so much money in it. That's not true. I'm here to tell you that is not true. There's no finite world that we live in. And the guides kept saying this. There's infinite possibilities. All possibilities exist simultaneously. Where you put your focus, that's what then comes into your life. So isn't this very simple? As you described, if that's going on, then they need to sit with themselves and ask, do I need to go in a different direction? Do I need to let it go? And I would say to people, like, if you are losing your home and your job and your car and all these things... Go inward if you follow guidance, if you follow ideas, and if you follow everything and it still goes is going away, then let go. Because you will literally be like me, picked up and put somewhere. And I've seen this happen with people, and it's where they end up is much more peaceful. They don't have to struggle so much. But as far as the supply, I mean, kind of have to go with whatever the universe is bringing in. And the guides told me, you know, be resourceful to the greatest degree. And be the abundance that you want to see. Because I asked, what do I do? Money is the medium of exchange. And they said, just become that abundance that you want to see. Like energetically become, be resourceful and bless 
bless everything. We, we do this thing, you know, where we fight against everything. The more fighting you do, the more the universe brings more fighting. So, <laughs> you know, you bless yeah. the situation and you bless and you become quiet. The higher your energy, meaning you just take on this more, more of your own godhood. That's what the new earth is. More of your own godhood. Absolute magic. I really think that money could actually fall out of the sky if you <laughs> were at a high enough vibration. <laughs> yeah, or not, not necessarily money, but some better... I had money washed up at my feet in Turkey. I, was, I took all the money I had. I said, that's it. I'm tired of hostels or whatever. And I'm going to get this gorgeous house. And I did. And I was then I had no money left for food. And I was standing in the money washed up at my feet in the ocean. That's interesting. And I went and bought food. So, <laughs> Yeah, I would say two things to what you just said. One is don't wait until you're at your wit's end to go within. When times are good get into a spiritual practice and stabilize it because then you're less likely to hit on hard times. And if you do, you'll be better able to deal with them. And the second thing is that I think there are relative limitations to certain things. There's a limit to how much oil there is or how much lithium we can mine to make batteries or whatever. But there's an unlimited resource to which everyone has access, which is your own deepest potential. There's no shortage of that. You're never going to deplete it. So start tapping into that and allowing it to flow and flow with greater abundance. And that alone could transform the world in also in concrete ways. I mean, we wouldn't need oil or lithium or whatever. Better technologies would come up and uh, we could forget about all that, that stuff that ruins the environment. Yeah, so the guide said there, there's all kinds of things coming in that these, as these things collapse, and they said all these structures that have been created in separation, whether it be education, economics, financial, even religion, all these things that have been created in separation, meaning we believe they're outside of us and that we somehow need something that's outside of us and that it's finite and we have to fight for it or whatever, all these systems are going to collapse. They are collapsing. They cannot sustain because we're moving into higher consciousness. They said there's all kinds of things coming in behind it. And there are people strategically positioned throughout the world who are bringing these things forward. And if we just would allow, like calm down and allow whatever needs to go, let it go. Even if you have to let go of your home and your car or whatever, then let it go. Follow your inner voice, you know, do what you can do. If you let go and we let these things come in, you'll do, you will see that we didn't go through this to just crash. We went through this. We're going through this to have a much more free. And that's why I did it. I wanted to be free. I wanted to be completely free. And I feel very free and I feel very empowered because I'm not reliant. I'm not dependent. I allow what the universe shows me and tells me and the people who come, just come, people just come. I mean, I can tell you stories later on if you want, that people just show up. Feel free to throw in a story, anything, even now, if you'd well, like to throw in an example. Okay. Like, I remember one where you were in Scotland and you're trying to get over to Dublin or, or someplace. Yeah. That was a good one, if you want to tell that one. I was following, you know, my guidance and go to Dublin, and I was in Belfast. And it was late at night. I was in this hostel, and I just didn't have the money. And I, I kept saying, okay, hello, somebody, you know, what am I supposed to do here? And then they said, go, just go. And it was 1130 at night. It was raining. I'm like, go, just go. <laughs> so I did. And I started walking. I'm like, well, well, I guess I'll go to the train or bus station and see if I can just sleep there or something. And as I was walking along, there was this young woman and she was closing down a restaurant. And I said, hey, you know, where's the train station? And she said, well, it's over there. But 
what are you doing? It's kind of late. And I told her, you know, kind of like what was happening. And she said, Nope, they're coming to my house. Just like that. She was like, I call them Elizabeth's angels. Cause I could feel the energy. Like, Oh, here's my angel. There's always an angel. She was just a waitress, but she took me to her house. You know, this is Ireland. So she had her confirmation name was Mary Catherine, which my sister was Catherine Mary. And I told her the whole story and she was hugely intrigued. And I, I, she fed me and did my laundry and did my laundry. And then the next day, she just went to the cash machine and she's a waitress, you know, but she handed me some cash and she's all, there's money for a train to Dublin. And off I went. And it was just like following, even if it sounded completely crazy. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. The people ever, I'll let you tell that next story, but do people ever say to you, yeah, Elizabeth, fine, but everybody couldn't do this because we'd all be bumming off each other. And some people need to have jobs to make money so that people like you can enjoy their largesse. Yeah, I hear that. But first sure of all, it's not, lar- not largesse. <laughs> Secondly, that's not true. That's a, the old Newtonian physics that there's an, uh-huh. a finite amount. And I'm saying that's not true. There's infinite because it's all just potentiality. And then when you put your focus on it, it comes into being, or seemingly does, because it's not even really as it appears to be, but it seemingly comes into form. So that's not, that's not really true. Some not people everybody- have to work in order to produce stuff. But maybe that's their I, dharma. I, if they feel compelled to work, I mean, I, I, I would have been happy many times to take a job and was not given that option because it would have been so much easier. I, I just want to be in a, in a nice place somewhere by myself. I mean, my personality is not this, what I'm doing. My personality, I love my own little cozy space. I love Decker. I mean, I'm doing completely against the grain of my personality to do this, but it's for the, the, the good of all. But trying to demonstrate something. And you and not I mean, you, it was a lot of work to write this book and now you're writing well, another I, one. So, I, I, so it's not like you're just sitting around, you know. Oh, no, yeah. no, I'm not sitting around. I mean, I'm working, but I don't even buy into that whole work. That's like old energy to me. I uh-huh. mean, I'm doing what my heart is, I'm doing what I'm here to do. The universe is providing me with what I need money-wise and everything else. And it, it's not like the one-to-one, just because people don't see, okay, I sold the book, I get money, and I actually stopped selling everything. Intentionally, I was guided. Don't place any needs on this project and then allow people to give to you. So, I mean, I could have sold all these things. I could sell. And if, even when this book comes out, I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to make it available for free because that's my service to the world. And I trust in the universe to bring me what I need. And, and, and that's just how I'm going to do it. I'm not saying everybody needs to. But everybody has a different path. And there's no, you know, again, Rick, the universe is infinitely intelligent. So that's just not true. There's some people who love their job and they love what they do and great. But the whole manufacturing, there's so many jobs in the world that aren't even needed. And they're going to, they're going to, I think they're going to go away because the whole thing is to come into a more community, community oriented way of living where, you know, you grow food, you share as I feel like we're going back it's a more expanded version of that, but coming back towards that. And I was guided to many, many communities all around the world. Cause that's another big interest of mine is community. And I think it's going to go more towards that. And it's much simple and it's much more relaxed and we're not going to necessarily have, I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, I think it's going to be a lot less of this manufacturing and all these things going on, but I think you're probably right. Um, I don't you know, know. At the moment, we're much more tied into it. I mean, we have a house, we have a car. I, b- I bet you have a cell phone. 
I do have a cell phone. Some some well, poor some poor character worked in a sweatshop in China or something to make that cell phone. So you know, people are working to produce stuff that well, you and I use. I'm just saying it's like a gradual progression away from gradual that. I'm not saying yeah. it's going to just drop instantaneously. Exactly, it's right. not. But yeah, I'm just saying that the world is changing very very rapidly. It was well, not maybe not rapidly, but it's changing, and everybody will be supported in their own way. If they're a manufacturer, maybe they'll change what they manufacture or something, or maybe, you know, it'll, it's just there's infinite intelligence guiding this. So it's yeah, not some agree. random, random thing. What do you thing. think about, um, you know, the extreme wealth inequity in the world? I don't know the numbers, but, you know, some tiny percentage of people have more money than the vast majority of of other people or, you know, there's like, I don't know what it is, just a handful of people have have the wealth equivalent of the bottom 50% of humanity. And... People are living in desperate poverty and others are multi-multi-billionaires. That seems imbalanced to me. You mentioned this and some people are saying, what are you suggesting, communism, socialism? But it just doesn't seem um, like it would be characteristic of a more enlightened society. It doesn't reflect compassion. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Well, so I mean, reflections. It's, it's duality. That's the realm we're in. I don't think there's anything wrong with wealth. I'm all for it. In fact, you know, one one of my, I feel like my, my journey is to demonstrate, I, I was named after two queens and so was my sister. And that energy is with me all the time. I don't have a problem with wealth. I mean, some people, if you have a big problem with wealth, you're never going to have it. So, but I mean, I don't need it. It's that the guide said, you know, there's this, this thing between needs versus desire. If you shift the need over to the desire category, which is a much higher energy. So I'm like, yeah, I like money. I mean, I like nice things. I came in with a, with a liking of beautiful things. And I even asked about this and the guide said, it's perfectly okay. That's a myth that you, as a spiritual being, you can't have those things. It's just that if your identity is wrapped up in it and you're attached. Yeah. But how, and, and the question is how many tens of billions of dollars do you need when others are living on $2 a day or something? Right. I mean, what, what the, can you that, do with all that money? The guide said that breed is a cancer on our planet and m- many have accumulated on their own greed far more than what they need. And yes, yeah, I think there is going to be about their needs to be a balancing out, but at the same time, I don't want to denigrate anyone or judge anyone because as we said in this realm, we've all played all roles. So I feel like as these people who are quite wealthy awaken, they will start to feel like, wow, maybe I can do something with this wealth. I want to corral some of these people and say, let's make a community <laughs> and I think I'm going to do that someday because everything I visualize comes true. But since we still have ownership and everything, okay, take your billions and let's buy this land and let's create beautiful places yeah. for people. I, I don't know, but Some I, I feel doing like stuff like that. I mean, Bill Gates yeah. and Warren Buffett and others are just, they've yeah. got it all set up to pretty much give it all away uh, over the course of their lifetimes or after they die. Um, in the case of Buffett, who's pretty old, but um, you know, so that's good. I think that it can be used for good. And I think that people, as they start to awaken, will just naturally feel like, gosh, maybe I can do something with this wealth. And I think it'll just, I think it's going to naturally evolve. I don't think we have to force or say this is bad. And this is because the guide said the biggest mistake human beings make is judgment. And I know a lot of people that judge wealthy people and I don't, I'm like, Hey, you know, this is the role they came to play and maybe they'll transition to something else, but to judge them, 
Yeah, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people suffering. And that I think, as you say, as you awaken, you begin to feel for the suffering of the world. If you happen Mm -hmm. to be super wealthy, then maybe that feeling will translate into concrete action. I know you are judging, but I'm seeing people who do. They really, really get into it. They talk about it constantly. (laughs) And it's just... You know, don't do that because this is this person's role. You can't know the guy, you know, it says in the Course of Miracles, it says it's not that you should not judge. It's that you cannot judge because as a human being, you don't see the full picture. You don't know what roles people took on and what for what reason. And there are wealthy people that are awakening and they do naturally feel to share and I've had many of them come to me, thank God, you know, that they the many people who have much more than what they need have helped me. And I've envisioned that happening, you know, because I'm very powerful in my intention and my visualization. And then it comes. That's basically how I, you've been able to get along for the last 12 years is people you helping know, I just, you. Yeah, people helping me. And I feel like it was a soul agreement, though, like they, that they just wanted to be part of the journey. And they, they are. And But it's sometimes it's the same people over and over. But then I have like new people come in, like this friend who I met, whose place I'm in right at the moment. So naturally, I think that they'll feel that they want to share. And I would encourage those who have more than what they need. And if you have a more stable environment, if your heart so guides you to to reach out to these ones who are falling off the system, because it's quite terrifying. I think it's much more fun to give than it is to be the one who has to say, could someone help me? You know, that's, that's very hard. So I would encourage that. So everybody's different. I mean, some people are having no change and that's okay. They have some type of part to play. And if you're very wealthy, I would suggest that maybe you could sit in quiet and pray. What can I, or meditate? Is there something I can do with this that actually, you know, nothing wrong with profit, but I mean, if you go that way, then it's just more of the same, but go in a way that serves the world and brings life affirming things into the world. But then again, when I was in that homeless shelter, I did meet a lot of people who they have a very strong victim mentality. And so if you have a victim mentality, you're going to attract at that level. I think if they change their belief, because the guide said, it's all about belief. And I would be like, I was walking in Myanmar, you know, these people were begging to me. And I looked in their cup and I thought that person has more than I do right now. <laughs> but I don't, I feel like a billionaire. I feel rich. I guess the name Elizabeth Ann, you know, I don't feel, it's a belief system that I know that I'm infinite. And even though at this moment I have nothing, I know more is going to come and I'm going to follow the guidance and people are going to show up when they need to show up. And that has been proven over and over and over every day. So it's not just some one time thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to say that again, if a large percentage of the world's population were functioning the way you're functioning, I think that we would see just this incredible abundance and, and it might be, it would be impossible for you or anyone to specifically predict exactly how it's going to come about. But I just have a deep confidence that it would, that there would just be this sort of wellspring of of abundance and creativity uh, flowing through every individual life that would transform the outer world into a, you know, heaven, really. Ab- absolutely. And I, I mean, there, there are people who are, are working on this. And it's true, like when a person has their needs met, their basic needs food, shelter, and they're allowed to be creative. My God, some of these people, like, and some people who take on like a homeless path are actually very evolved, awakened beings. And they're there to teach other people about compassion. Or I've met many of these people. 
And when people are allowed to express their true inner being, the miracles come out of that, you know, all kinds of inventions and creativity. And look at the teenagers around the world who are inventing things because the kids have come in at a higher vibration, as the guides explained. And so this is all unfolding. We don't have to get too cerebral about how is it going to be, but all each person has to do is just do what I'm suggesting and go do that inner work and inner self and listen. And, you know, maybe you don't get it the same way I get it, but you will get it. Somebody will appear, an idea will appear. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first and all else should be added unto thee. And when I asked the guides about that quote, they said another way of saying that is, I am that I am, and in all ways, I am all that I am. Because what you're saying is, I am much more than what I appear to be. That brings me everything I need. And so, again, we have to just remember that the world is not finite. That's an old energy belief system, and the structures in it are all old energy. So we have to allow the new to come in. I've met people, I call them like billionaire Buddhas. They're not really billionaires, but I just use that term. This story that I'm going to tell involves a woman. She's certainly not a billionaire, but she has more than what she needs. And she's she's doing just what we're talking about. So I'll tell that story. Yeah, go ahead. Tell the story. Um, kind of starts back. I was in Virginia. Everything that I wanted to do, I've done. I always wanted to kind of be run a, a B&B and want to be on a farm. And so I always lived in big cities. And so lo and behold, a friend who'd been following the journey offered me just out of nowhere, we want to come run my, my Airbnb. Her family has many properties and there was this beautiful estate in Virginia. And I said, yes, immediately. I was on a plane within three days and I ran her Airbnb for a year. And I kept getting these trucks driving by though, that said, England, England, England. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to England again. So I, I was like kind of trying to work. Well, how am I going to get there and where am I going to go? <laughs> And nothing was coming. And then, so, okay, well, okay, I laugh because still... I've, seen, I've seen hundreds of those trucks, but I didn't feel like going to England. But anyway. Well, so for me, it was a sign because I feel England. I, I've yeah. always had the feeling this is my third time here. I felt it anyway, but it, I was just like, okay. But then it, nothing happened. So I was sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, praying and thinking, what, what? Because I felt that I was at the end of my time at this place. I loved it. But the guidance was, no, it's time for you to go. And people thought I was nuts for leaving this because it was so beautiful. And I had this gorgeous estate all to myself, except on weekends when people came. And it was just amazing. But no, it's time for me to go on. So one of my great dreams was to live in New York City. Even the words New York City just sends me to the moon. I I don't know why. It must be past life or something. But I wanted so badly. And then I got it. You're going to New York. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I didn't have money. The money I had because I was not making a huge, and that it was actually kind of a little job, but it was mostly about women board and just a little bit of money. So I didn't have money to go to New York. So I put out a post on Facebook. This was my guidance. And I said, anybody in the New York area, please, I just feel really guided. And I, in my mind's eye, I kept seeing this one man who had been following my journey over and over. I saw him in my mind's eye, but I wasn't going to just approach him because that puts people into fear. <laughs> So I just put out this post and within three minutes, he popped up in my messenger and said, Hey, I've got a place. Come stay with me for a while outside of New York city. So that was it. I went to New York city and I went to this place in New York. And then the day came where we both knew like, this is just over, but I didn't have anything. Like I thought something was going to appear in New York city that would, and it didn't. So I was like, well, okay. And so many times in the journey, when this happened, I, my guidance was just go like with nothing, just go. 
because he, you know, he had offered as much time as he could and I felt it too. So I said, okay, universe, if I have enough for three nights in an Airbnb, I'll go to New York city. And so I put it out on Facebook. Does anybody want to help me? And some people did. I had exactly enough for three nights and I went to New York city and I stayed in an Airbnb for three nights. And then after that, it was like every single day I would be down to nothing and I would go sit in a cafe. And my big dream was to dance. I mean, this was last year and I was 54 years old. So I have this big belief that aging is a myth. And I'm just like, I'm going to go to the best ballet schools in the world. And I did. I would sit in these cafes and then some money would come in because I have a lot of people that kind of follow and help. But I don't know when they're going to send or what amount or if anybody does. And so anyway, some money would come, but it wouldn't be enough for that night at the Airbnb. But it would be enough for a dance class. And my guidance was dance class, go. So I'd go to the dance class and then... So I'm like living this crazy every night. I was, didn't know where I was going to be, but I'm taking the dance classes and I would have enough for food and I'd eat my food. And then the next amount of money would come and I'd go to an Airbnb. So this went on for like three weeks. And then my dream was to live right near Central Park. And I got this little guidance, go on Craigslist. So I found this little ad for an in-home dog walker. Posh, as we say in England, posh is part of Upper East Side Manhattan. Sent the thing, they hired me. And I became an in-home dog walker. <laughs> and so it was just at night. And so I was going to my beloved dance classes all day, walking in Central Park, doing my dog walking. And I did that for a while. And then the job ended because they were moving. I was suddenly without a home or anything. And I was what am I? I wanted to spend time in a monastery. So I kept getting, go to a monastery. And I'm like, okay, go to a monastery. So I looked up monasteries and Get I called this one. <laughs> yeah, it was that. And in the meantime, a friend popped up and said, I have some Airbnb credits, so I'll put you in an Airbnb for two nights. Okay. So I called this one and they said, we have three nights available. So I was like, I don't want just three nights. I want to go for a long time. So I couldn't, I didn't make the decision. And my guidance was go to Penn Station because I had gone to New Jersey in this Airbnb. Go to Penn Station, go to Penn Station. So I'm sitting in Penn Station, like, well, okay, I'm in Penn Station. What am I going to do? And the guidance finally came, you have the monastery already. Yeah, but it's only three nights. Go. So I went to the monastery. It's Holy Cross Monastery in New York. Amazing, amazing beings there, loving, so loving. And I kind of told the story there. And she said, we don't want your money. You can stay for a month, whatever. And immediately I was in this beautiful place, gorgeous, right on the Hudson River in this monastery. Well, I met a nun and she was about to leave. And I heard her talking about San Diego. And I said, oh, you're from San Diego. And she's like, yeah. And we started talking and she said, well, I just became a nun. Most of my life, I was a professional musician and I played in the San Diego Symphony. Well, I almost fell over because my mother who has passed and my father who has passed both were musicians and played in the San Diego Symphony Orchestra. She knew them, not just knew them, but was good, good friends. She, oh, my God, are you Gloria Hill's daughter? And we both started crying. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm going to England to go to many monasteries. And I knew right then and there that's where I'm going. I was able to get the money for the plane ticket. I came, went off to England, traveled all around, and ended up in St. Michael's Convent in uh, Gerard's Cross. Again, they were such beautiful examples they let me be a longsider with the community. I was a, a longsider. I lived there for four months. They live very abundantly because they share everything. And they were such a good example of community. But then I only had a certain amount of time and I had like three days left. I didn't have money. I didn't know where I was going to go. But I had met this woman that had been there on silent retreat. 
several times and I kept having a feeling about her. And then one day, like two days before I had to leave, she was there and she, she, I was telling her kind of what was going on. And she looked up at the statue of Jesus and Mary. This woman is like a Christian mystic. She's just, she's just like, she's like um, St. Teresa of Avila. She's incredible. She looked at the statue of Jesus and Mary and got this, you have a house to offer. She's like, Oh yeah, I do. Because I just moved out of my house and she's the one I'm talking about who has more than what she needs, but she was going to make her home available for some Syrian refugees. So the house was getting ready for Syrian refugees. She said, but not for four months, so you can live in my house. So all in one full swoop, I ended up in this house, beautiful, gorgeous house on the river for four months. And then she's, she's part owner of her house in Greece, Greece. And that's been offered to me. I haven't, I've tried twice to go, but because of COVID, I couldn't get there. But it just goes to show, just this, out of nowhere, this person came and said, here's a house. Yeah. And it was, it's not, and then, you know, here's another house in Greece and she shared everything with me, money and, and, you know, and then this new person, Lorenzo, who's helped me right now, he came out of nowhere. So you can see by this story that people just show up yeah. and it, it, it's, I didn't do it. I didn't go looking. And when I was in the convent, I was getting a little bit nervous and I thought, well, maybe I should like offer to clean the rooms and maybe they'll pay me. And my guidance was, is that what you really want to do? I'm like, well, no, not really. I said, well, I'm not going to do it then. And I just didn't do it. And then I learned how to draw. And so I spent hours in creativity. Creativity is a very high energy. And that's when the answer just came in. So you see, getting my human mind out of the way, by learning how to draw for hours and hours, the answer was able to come in because I wasn't in the way with my limiting beliefs and all of that. So I guess that's the story, one of the stories, one of the many, many. Yeah, there are many. <laughs> just I mean, shapes up and the right thing at the right time. That's cool. Have you ever heard of Peace Pilgrim? Yes. I'm going to get her up on the screen here just so people can see her beautiful face on the screen. Yeah, so Peace Pilgrim was this beautiful woman who basically walked around the United States for years yeah. with nothing but the shirt on her back. And a shirt that said Peace Pilgrim on it. And mm-hmm. um, if anyone hasn't heard of her, I highly recommend you get her little book and read it. Um, she was definitely in a higher state of consciousness. And she just um, kind of experienced what you've been experiencing, which is that she would just be taken care of. And she wouldn't ever, she didn't have any possessions. She didn't ask for anything. But people would just offer what she needed when she needed it. Very inspiring. Everyone should. It's like a classic book that I recommend everyone check out if they haven't seen it. Yeah, I've heard about Peace Program, and a lot of people have said that I'm like her. Although I wouldn't want to be sleeping on the side of the road and um, what she did, but I mean, it's similar. And and also, I do ask for help, but I I didn't start asking. I really wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't just me asking for help and receiving help. So for the, I would say the first four to six years of the journey, I never asked for help once. I was like almost like pathologically refusing to ask for help. <laughs> and then at some point someone said, Elizabeth, I think you've proven it to yourself. Why don't you start asking? So I started to ask and then it just, it, you could just feel that it was the right people who said, yeah, I'll help because they wanted to be part of the journey. But I really did demonstrate to myself that it wasn't just about fundraising because anybody can do that, I guess. But it was more, I, I allowed people to show up. And so sometimes the guidance would be, okay, go on to Facebook and ask. And if I didn't get that guidance, no matter how, how dire the situation, I wouldn't, I would just say, I would write what, this is what's happening. And then invariably somebody somewhere would, would say, well, I would, I would like to help. 
or whatever. So mostly it was in recent times, it was more about just asking, can anybody help in this situation? Because I had been doing it for so long and I knew that I would receive if I felt guided. Yes, this is a moment to go ahead and ask your community because it's my community. They know what I'm doing. They know why I'm doing it and they wanted to be part of it and they would help. But I encourage people to ask for help. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. You're 55, you said. Have you had any impulses that at some point you might just lead a more established life? How's this going to work when you're 65, 75, you know, 80? (laughs) Oh, I really don't know. But the first thing is that I think aging is a myth and there's all kinds of information coming to me that this is true and that I'm not you know, quite there yet. But I mean, when we, as we go into higher consciousness, the guides had said that your bodies are making their own awakening right now. And that the body is moving from a carbon-based body into a crystalline light body. So I really believe that the aging process can and will reverse because if there's no time and there is no time, and if I'm an infinite being, what I have learned is that the body is not actually a physical organism moving on a timeline in time and space. That's the illusion. We have to honor it as it appears, but really all time is now. And I am an infinite being, you know, like Jesus, like Buddha, like anyone who came to demonstrate. And they were able to do things that other people couldn't do. Why? Because they had taken on more of who they were. So as I take on more and more of who I am, I don't believe that I need to become ill and downslide. But yes, I would like to have, I very much and have wanted for years to have my own place in the world, but I, it's not going to necessarily be back to like a job. I I couldn't, I would, it would kill my spirit. So somebody will offer something or be part of the community. But my dream is to, to share this wisdom. So I want to travel the world and I want to share the wisdom in any way that I can. But see, I understand that I can envision what I want and it will come. So I'm envisioning how I want it to be. And I have some pretty big visions, which I won't even share because if we shared them, people would say, oh, please, The guides had told me that I came in with a much bigger vision of what's possible. In fact, I always say that part of my mission is to demonstrate what people think is impossible in the body, in the mind, in the spirit. So I don't believe that I need to decline and be decrepit and need. And I also don't believe that I need health care. I don't believe that I need 401k. I don't believe that I need retirement. Say what you want, but I don't believe that. No, that's cool. I don't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. It just doesn't, when I see like someone who goes from like a young person to a girl, like for some reason inside of me, that doesn't seem normal to me. Doesn't Doesn't seem seem normal to the booty either. And when he was living this sheltered life and had never seen an old person, finally got out and saw (laughs) some, he thought, whoa, what's wrong with them? And I'm not saying it's bad. That's what they've chosen. But I mean, I think it's a choice. And I think that yeah. it's well, not you know, every Every saint and sage, with the exception of possibly a very few who ever walked the earth, ended up dying. And maybe the times are different now. And maybe we'll all end up in crystalline bodies. Or maybe it, it is that if we're meant to be immortal in some sense, then there might be better bodies than these in which to do it. And these bodies will die. I mean, all these guides you're talking to, they have bodies, but they're not yes. human bodies. And they, they don't necessarily live in the earth plane. So I don't know if hanging out in the earth plane perpetually is our ultimate destiny. But actually, there's a question that came in that relates to this very point from Cheryl in Florida. She asks, um, if the human species doesn't survive, will we become part of another realm? 
Well, yeah, you're an eternal being or eternal beings. The human part is just a temporary little game we're playing. But I think the human race will survive. I have it on good authority that we've already made the decision that humanity will awaken. And there are many people who are transitioning. And that's okay. I mean, it's sad, of course, when you lose somebody. But I was told this, that people, for whatever reason, either they're not ready to take this ride with Mother Earth, who's moving out of the third dimension through the fourth into the fifth, which is a much lighter, but you have to purify. You have to purify and you have to take that ride. So it's not everybody wants to take that ride right now, or they have another part to play like my sister. So there are many people who are transitioning and you can see it on my Facebook page. I have like people who just suddenly are die and they're just young people. And so there's choices being made on a soul level. All death, all everything is made on a soul level, which is a level we don't see consciously. But it's made, and so it's okay that if people choose to transition from this world and do something else. But yeah, some people think that the human race will survive, but with the drastically reduced population, I don't know. If climate change were to reach six degree temperature increase, there wouldn't mm -hmm. be any human life left. But even three degrees could drastically reduce the population, and of course, there are many other things which could do so. Well, all I have to say is that I'm going to find out. Yeah, I think we all are. Is it true <laughs> that I don't have to go through? I have some aging, but it's not very significant. I want to know that is it true that I have to become old and gray when there really is no time and that I am this infinite being? Is it true? Any so gray hair I, showing up yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. but not a lot. Not, I don't have a huge amount. <laughs> but I mean, that's not even because I'm, not, I'm nowhere near. I mean, I haven't made these transitions that need to be made fully. I mean, I'm surely working on it. But one of the things, and this, I'll share this off the cuff, that one of the guidance that I've been repeatedly getting is you do not need food. 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 Yeah. And in the interview with the universe, they talked about how the human body at a certain point will not be able to digest food. It doesn't need food. Food is a habit. You know, that's really hard. But I, I keep getting it over and over and over. Eat less, eat less, eat less. And I, I heard once where they talked about through one of the channels that Jesus ate almost nothing. So finally, over the last week, I'm like, okay, fine. It's very hard because I love food, but I've been cutting down almost to nothing. All of a sudden, my neck has been really stiff, my back. All of a sudden, I'm stretching, and I'm like hugely flexible just from three days. Of, so I think that the body is changing. I was told the body is making its own awakening, and the DNA is, is shifting. And so do I know for sure if this is possible? No. I don't know anything for sure, but I, I, one thing is for sure is that I intend to find these things out experientially. So that's what a very good attitude. My attitude toward all these kinds of points is I take them as hypotheses. And hypothesis yes. means that they are things which could be explored experientially. That's what a hypothesis is in science. Mm -hmm. You know, a scientist doesn't say, I absolutely believe this. That wouldn't be scientific. He says, all right, this has some probability or some promise. And so I will investigate experientially. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, fine. He wants to know the truth. He's not attached to a particular uh, outcome. Yeah. Well, the guides also said that your truth actually lies within you, that there's not really any separate objective truth, really. As you waken, your truth changes. So they said, as you believe, so it is. So if you believe in aging, I hear them saying these things and I'm thinking, why are you saying that? 
as you believe, so it is. Oh, well, I'm 50 now and I'm going to have to get a house that's one story because I'm going to be going yeah. downhill and I'm going to have to get funeral insurance. And I'm going to, I'm like, <laughs> what? what? I don't know. I mean, I was told I came in with the knowing about that things can be different and I just don't understand. I just doesn't seem normal to me to have that attitude. If I'm wrong and I end up aging and croaking and whatever, <laughs> I mean, not that I don't think that I'm going to pass on, but I think yeah. there's going to be some major changes in my lifetime in this body that would be considered like, wow, how is that done? How is that possible? Because I just believe it. Yeah. And, you know, they, I you think that you there's something to what you're saying. I mean, I don't think it means you're going to be physically immortal, but I mean, no, I've interviewed some not. people in their 90s. There was one guy who was one of the designers of some of the more popular muscle cars, they called them in Detroit. And I forget his name at the moment. When I first got in touch with him, he was like at 92 or 3. And he said, well, I just had my feet amputated. But he said, I've never felt better in my life. And my wife and I are going to buy an RV and move to California. He was on the East Coast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he ended up doing that. But obviously, he didn't feel like an old man in his spirit. The body is... It's a vehicle, and sometimes we need to trade in a, an older vehicle for a newer vehicle, but that which we are doesn't age, and many people actually experience it that way if they don't identify with the body primarily. Right. I've heard people, and also there are many sages, or I've never met one, that live for a couple hundred years. I mean, this yeah. is these legends, and I don't know, but I, I mean, if you read Autobiography of Yogi, this he isn't talks about, about aging. People, yeah. It's people who don't haven't eaten for years and they live off of light. And I think in those times it was very rare, but I, uh, the guides told me that what's going to happen is that people becoming fructarians and even aquatarians, which means they only drink water. This will be very common. And so there's a lot of changes happening in the body, which right now sound crazy, <laughs> but we're kind of looking at it through a separation viewpoint. So I don't know what's going to happen in regards to me and my this body that I've taken on, but I mean, I really do have a sense that the body is not what it appears to be. If you listen to Rupert Spira, what he teaches about all you have to be aware of is what you sense. Is the body is like a sensation, and there's perception and hearing and seeing, but that's just pure awareness that's having that experience. So I feel that that this is this is not really solid being but anyway maybe maybe we're yeah we that too much but it's just i i want to say that don't talk about how you're going to age i wouldn't do that you know whatever happens happens you just accept it and you do your best with it don't just assume that you're going to get old and have the disease well, or what was that bible verse where jesus said you know don't worry about it was similar to that birds of the field thing about not right. storing your grain and your this and the, that where animals can eat it and mold can get right. it or something but can you quote that verse no, I can't. Well, I know, you know I, I'm not about. Also, he said, if thine eye be single, thy body shall be full of light. light. And what does that mean? I mean, he also said, isn't it written, I said, ye are gods. He even said also, and this is in my Twin Souls book, that my teachings are not for this age, they're for the next. So these things that he said that people didn't really understand, I think they're going to become more and more understandable. If thine eye be single... In your your inner right. being, your third eye, oneness. Yeah, my body shall be full of light. Bob Dylan said, "The times they are a changing." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Indeed, they are. So, what would you like to say by way of conclusion? Since we're about at the two-hour point here, obviously, any interview like this is just a little sampling of what a person could potentially talk about, and I think people would enjoy. This. Is this book still available somehow? 
I was guided to kind of take it out of print and I give it for free on my author page on Facebook. So people can download um, it. Then I found out that there's all these booksellers selling it. Yeah. And it has nothing books. to do with me. I don't get anything from it, but if you Google it, you can get it like a hard copy. But I, I almost feel like there's going to be a second edition or something because it's like that was written in 2003 to 2006. Yeah. And I'm so different now, I'm just so different. But, you know, it, it gives the basic story of my sister and our life mm-hmm. and how she it's passed. Well, and it yeah, has a lot of chapters that are about all kinds of things in the world that are right. really interesting. So what is has, life? What is death? You know, the yin yang of politics, science, and yeah. spirituality, and so on. A lot of cool stuff in there. Was this your personal copy that you sent me? My friend who's in the U.S. I said, "Can you just go online and order one from one of these sellers and send okay. it?" Because it was. It's too funny many- because it has notes in it and it smells of perfume. So I thought. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. That's all right. It smells nice. It's a multi-sensual experience reading it. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, no, I mean, I recommend it, but I'm not really like promoting it because I was just told to take all needs away from the project. So if you feel inspired and you want to read it. I'll I'll link to your Facebook page where people can download it. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting book. Yeah. It's a precursor to what's happening now with me. So it's almost like part of the same story. It's just that was then and then it continues on into the next book. But as far as what I would want to say is just that if you could do one thing and one thing only at this time, it would be become to know your inner self, know thyself, ask the question, the great Ramana Maharshi, right? Who am I? What am I? And then sit. It's not just meditation, it's contemplation, meaning that you're questioning and question everything. You know, if you have a limitation, I want to know, is this limitation, do I really need to have, you know, question who you are, what you are, what this world is, and you will start having experiences that will show you a more expanded awareness. And at that point, things that you need will just show up. You'll get ideas. So if you try to attack it from a third dimensional kind of dualistic way of racking your brain, trying to figure it out, like, what am I going to do? It lowers your energy to such a level that you cannot attract and you cannot receive what you need because you're at such a dense, heavy level. I don't care if it's just like you're going on Facebook and saying these negative things. Pull that in. Take the time to get to know your inner being. You have a soul, which is the infinite part of yourself. And it is guiding you. It's right there with you. It knows exactly what you need and also what you want. Because we did come to play individual. We came to play a divine spark. Because some people negate the human experience. And I think that they suffer greatly from that. And I've seen people suffering greatly from that. And also, then there's people who just completely identify with the body-mind and they don't have any clue. I say to people here, like in England or wherever I am, they look at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean? Like you're getting guidance. What is this? Like with some Santa Claus in the sky? Like they don't, they just don't (laughs) know. They don't know that they have an inner being, a, a higher self. And then also they don't understand the laws of physics of you can intend something and you can visualize it. And if you're aligned, it'll come. They have absolutely no idea. And they're just completely lamenting, oh, God, I'm so afraid. And it's like, I just want to say, just stop and go to the park and sit in the park and bring peace to yourself. And that affects the whole world. One person, one being who's vibrating, they say like, I don't know if you ever read David R. Hawkins' Power Versus Force when he calibrated all this energy, but one being like a Buddha or a Jesus or a Paramahansa or Ananda who emanates a frequency of unconditional love overrides millions of others. 
who are at a more hypnotized, denser level. So not all energy is created equally. So if you want to be one of those beings who affects this critical mass that's happening, then please, please do that. And you, your personal needs will be, you will have what you need and you will also have what you want because you'll be more free. Wow, I want to be an artist. I can be an artist. You know, I want to be a musician. I can be a musician or an actor or whatever, a writer. Just do it. That's the other message. Just do it. If you want to write, write. If you want to dance, dance. Don't wait to be like, well, how am I going to make money? Forget that. Just do the things. And that's my message. (laughs) Just be who you are and who you are as a human and also who you are as a soul. Well, that's a great synopsis. Very eloquent. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so much. Ah, so uh, we'll stay in touch and uh, look forward to hearing what your next book is about when you finish it. And I already have a sense of what it's about. I bet you it's going to be good. People can go to your Facebook page, obviously. That's probably the best way to get in touch with you if they want I to. I have a, a website, and it, it's under construction, and that website is going to be elizabethannhill.com, but it's completely under construction right now. Okay. So, Let me know but, when it's up, and I'll add it yeah. to, you, to the show notes. Right. But if you go to um, facebook.com slash twin souls 444, that's my, my author page where yeah. I you can get download the different things. And I have a personal page. You can find me. I, I actually kind of share most of my journey on my personal page. Mm. I'll link and, to them both if you want. Yeah. And then just, you know, as of now, that's all I'm using. But now I'm kind of moving back into having more, of a, a yeah. more of a presence, you know, but that's just because the journey has kind of shifted. And I would love for you to go to my author page and give me a like and give me a follow because, as we know, that generates more and some of that. Thank you so much. It's been a great, great conversation, I think. Yeah, I really enjoyed Enjoyed it. it. And it's been fun preparing for it, too, listening to all all the stuff. If people go online and search for your name, they'll find some other things they can listen to. And I'll, I'll link to that conversation with the universe, you called it? An interview yeah. with the universe. Interview with the universe, yeah. Three yeah. recordings, yeah. And then I had some interviews with my friend Lisa Bonice. In fact, I did, she works for the Shift Network, and I just did another interview with her just before this one, and that is going to air in October. On the Shift uh, Network? Yeah, on the Shift Network. Oh, that's Network. huge. Great. Yeah, it's called Beyond the Veil Summit, and I'm one of the people. Oh, yeah, so I saw that, that summit thing. So things are starting to come together as far as sharing, because that's really what I want. I mean, that's, I didn't go through all this just for myself. I wanted yeah. to share. I was so, just going to say, you know, you might as yeah. well. Yeah, after all this, yeah. you, you want to share it. All right. Well, well thanks. Thank and, you, Rick. Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks to those who've been listening or watching. We'll see you for the next one. And as I said in the beginning, um, if you want to be notified of subsequent interviews, either subscribe on YouTube or subscribe on batgap.com to the email notification thing. And there's also an audio podcast subscription page there in case you like to listen to audio podcasts of the show. See you next time. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Keep on trucking.